Okay, welcome back, folks. We're going to get underway for our last session because we'd like to release you into some of that lovely sunshine at some point. This is our fun session after lunch, and um, it's on prophecy. And um, the reason we do a session in the School of the Supernatural on the prophetic is very simple, that hearing the voice of God is one of the keys to operating in the supernatural. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. And Paul wrote to the Galatians, he said, you know, he that supplies the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do that by works of the law or by hearing with faith? In other words, does he do it by religious performance? The answer is no. He does it by hearing with faith. And so when we hear what the Holy Spirit wants to do in any given situation, we align with that, we step into obedience, um, we activate faith, then that's when things really start to happen. So this session, we're just wanting to talk about prophecy and what it's about, what it's for. Greta's going to touch on that. And then after Greta shared what it's for and the purpose of it, then I'm going to come back. We're gonna, I'm going to teach on the practicalities of how you hear, how you deliver that, and then we're going to do some prophetic ministry. So that sounds good. Over to you, sweetheart. So we're first going to have a look at um, prophecy, explanation, and purpose. And you know, in our first session this morning, um, we just heard what an amazing, incredible, awesome, the aren't words to describe our Father in heaven. He's a good, good Father. And because He's a good Father, He loves to speak to His children. Um, it's His pleasure and delight to speak to us. And he is speaking all the time, in fact, because he knows that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, if Father's speaking all the time, that means that, that we can actually prophesy any time. However, the problem is we're not always listening, are we? And if we're not hearing from God, then the problem usually lies with us. If you think of this room right now, there are radio waves and TV signals floating and passing through all the time, but we are completely unaware of them unless we were to um, use a tuner. We need a tuner to hear and see. And uh, if we tune into the frequency on the, on the radio or into the, the, the frequency of the TV channel, that is when we see and hear. And Jesus made this wonderful promise, that, and he intends us to tune into the frequency of his voice. We have the ability, because he said, my sheep, are you one of his sheep? Hear my voice. So if you are his sheep, and we are, then Jesus said, you, he will hear my voice. If we want to flow in the, the prophetic what is really important is we need to consistently feed on the Word of God and also have an ongoing prayer life. The Word is so precious. And there are some keys besides that to hearing His voice, and one of them is intimacy. You know, if David were to phone me from the other side of town, he, he doesn't have to say, hello, this is your husband, David Peter, speaking, and then begin to talk. 
because we have an intimate, close relationship, we really know each other, he just starts speaking. I instantly recognize his voice. And that is what Jesus wants more than anything else, is that close, intimate relationship with, with each one of us so that, that we know him and we know his voice and, and instantly recognize it. And another tip is usage. The Bible says by constant use, we train ourselves. That's Hebrews 5.14. You know that, that English idiom, practice makes perfect? Well, there is some truth in that. So God is speaking all the time. How does he speak? Well, prophecy is one of the ways God speaks to his children. And in, in another school, we, we cover eight ways God speaks. And besides that, there are many other ways as well. But what is the number one way that God speaks? Yes. His word, the Bible, the scriptures. That is the number one way that God speaks. And any other way will always be in agreement with the word of God. The word of God is our gold standard, our plumb line. Now, there are other ways that God speaks besides prophecy. Uh, dreams, visions, impressions, others, etc. But we, in this session, we are focusing on prophecy. That's a particular way that God, God loves to speak to us. We, we, if we study the Bible, we see this where prophecy occurs many times. And if we have a quick look at the Greek words for it, it just gives rich meaning to what prophecy is all about. And here are some of the translations from the Greek words. A prediction of future events. This is also called foretelling. The explaining, uncovering, and revealing of truth. This is forthtelling. To publicly expound the word of God in order to exhort. And finally, to bubble or gush forth. Isn't that a lovely description of prophecy? I like that one. So in conclusion, prophecy can be explanatory or forthtelling, and prophecy can also be predictive or foretelling. And in your notes, there are some biblical examples you can read up in your own time. So let's just unpack a little bit what is the difference between this explanatory and predictive. Well, explanatory explains my present situation, and it helps me get God's perspective on my current circumstances. So it can be really helpful. It can be very reassuring as well. Give you a simple picture, an, uh, an example, should I say. I got a picture, uh, uh, a vision. And in this picture, I was just simply seeing a crossroads. And I was sensing that the, the meeting we we're about to go into, there was somebody who was at a crossroads in their life. And um, they didn't know which way to go. So we walk into the meeting, and lo and behold, there is a young man wearing a T-shirt, and guesses what, what is on the front, to a picture of the crossroads of two roads with traffic written on it. So I knew he was the man the word was for. God made that. He, I, the Holy Spirit has a wonderful sense of humor. And so, you know, I said, I sense that you are facing a crossroads in your life, and you're unsure which way do you go, but... God's word to you is Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And the other scripture that came to mind was Isaiah 30, verses 21. Your own ears will hear you. Right behind you, you'll hear a voice say, this is the way you should go. So that was just an assurance to him. God was going to show him which way to go as he just waited on him and asked him. And a few days later, we happened to, to see him, and he was so thrilled because that is exactly what God had done, and he knew with absolute clarity which direction to take in his life. Now, the other type of prophecy, predictive, this refers to the future, and it can really direct our lives. I can remember before David and I had actually physically met, we'd just been emailing, the Lord started speaking to me and said, I've chosen um, you as David's wife and, and I've called you to work together. And we discovered later that on that very same date, in David's journal, the same dates in both journals, God was speaking the exact same thing to him. So that was really speaking to our future and God spoke so much and and we are literally living and walking in everything God prophesied to us. He is such an amazing, wonderful God. So definition, here's a succinct definition of the gift of prophecy. It is the capacity to express truth of a predictive nature as well as an explanatory nature from God in order to exhort, edify, and comfort believers and to convince non-believers of God's truth. So the fantastic thing about this wonderful gift is that we can use it anywhere um, with anybody, whether they, they believe us or not. And in fact, the supernatural is intended to be a very natural part of life anywhere, anytime, whether we're at work, school, at college, in our neighborhood, at the mall, in the sports team, etc. And God is really wanting us all to have that boldness we spoke about last night, step out of our comfort zone and take a risk as the Holy Spirit is prompting us and, and guiding us and showing us opportunity to um, speak into people's lives. So what is the purpose of prophecy? 1 Corinthians 14.3 gives us the answer. One who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and comfort. In other words, to build up, stir up, and cheer up. The New Living Translation puts it this way. One who prophesies is helping others grow in the Lord, encouraging and comforting them. So, let's have a, a further look at these three great purposes of prophecy. So the first one is edification. The answer, unfortunately, some people that have an Old Testament concept of prophecy tearing down, and we need to embrace the New Testament concept of building up. If we look at that word to edify, the original Greek is oikodome, and this is how it translates. To build up, construct, confirm, establish, and improve. Can you see those are all 100% positive words, there ain't a whiff of negativity whatsoever. To, in, to edify means to encourage, and encouragement is the language of heaven. And Father God, 
like a good father, a good parent, loves to encourage his children. And in actual fact, the Bible calls him the God who gives encouragement in Romans 15, 5. And we are, to, we are his children, so we are to be just like him. And in actual fact, Hebrews 10, 25 says to us, let us encourage one another. And all the more as we see the day, the day of Jesus' return getting closer. There is a lot of discouragement out there. I think you'll agree. And just never, ever underestimate the power of just a simple word of encouragement. It can just totally change somebody's day. It can, um, they can be feeling so absolutely down, and you can just bring literal sunshine into their life spiritually. Really, I've, I've seen it. I've seen a face transform from, a, from a, a dark, depressed cloud to just beaming like a little sunbeam. To encourage actually means to impart courage, and discourage is to suck the courage out or destroy it. And guess whose language discouragement is? The devil's. Yes, he is the master of discouragement. And encouragement is greatly needed in our world today with the social pressures and demands and spiritual oppression, etc. One of the greatest ministries you and I can ever have is the ministry of encouragement. And prophecy is such a ministry. So we never ever regard prophecy as a means of reproof. Because we know Father is not angry with us because he poured all his wrath on Jesus when he hung on the cross. Jesus paid the price for all mankind, all our sins. He's a good father, so he will always correct if he sees a son or daughter going off track because he wants us um, to walk in the beneficial and best path for our lives. But even then, father always does so in love. Here's a testimony we received. I was the girl you prophesied over, and after the, the service, you and Greta prayed with me. I was so excited by the words you spoke over my life, I couldn't sleep that night. Many people that knew me came up to me after the service and said that was me to a T. Now listen to this. You gave me an extremely strong sense of hope. So when somebody's received a prophetic word from us, that's what they should be left with with a sense of hope. That's what encouragement does. It builds and creates hope. The second great purpose of the gift of prophecy is exhortation. To exhort, paraklesis in the Greek, means to prompt, encourage, and urge people to draw near to God. And prophetic exhortation should propel people forward in God. You know, our great shepherd, he doesn't angrily drive his flock along with a whip, but he urges us on to greener pastures. So when we're prophesying, we're always gentle. We are, we are never harsh. We always do it with the Father's heart of love and grace. Like, as I said earlier on today, all ministry, we always minister out of love. And David received this amazing testimony he was preaching a sermon. And the man wrote, In the middle of your sermon, you stopped and pointed to me and said the following words. Sir, I don't know you, but you'll become radicalized for God, and it will begin with his word. 
And then David carried on preaching. So that was, that was a very short prophetic word. And then the man continues writing. He says, from that day onwards, I picked up the word and any good theological book I could find. I'm currently enrolled to study theology in Bible college. I feel the Holy Spirit working in my life, urging me forward. There's that exhortation, urging me forward to search the scriptures daily to see what's true. It's like fire in my bones. I cannot help but read and search the word. So that prophetic word really came true. He was just radicalized in this fantastic way for God and this passionate love for his word. And then the third and final great purpose of the gift of prophecy is comfort. To comfort, paramuthia in the Greek, means to come alongside, to strengthen and reinforce. And it can involve physical, mental and spiritual refreshing. It counterbalances the troubles of life. The Holy Spirit, the parakletos, he is the comforter, the helper and the great encourager. And he really is the personification of the very essence of prophecy. He is our holy best friend, our companion, um, our partner in all of life, as David said last night. And remember, the kindness of God leads to repentance. And I can remember during my grief journey, I received many prophetic words that comforted me and really strengthened me on the inside. And here's just one I received 12 days after Ron had suddenly gone to heaven. And I felt the Lord say, I am your shield. I'm shielding you from pain. Your beloved husband Ron is with me. He is happy and free. And I discovered that word shield means protector. God was my protector. And I received this uh, verse as well from Psalm 3 verses 3 going on to 4. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud and he answers from his holy hill. And you know, with a prophetic word, sometimes it might just be the words that will be in agreement with the scriptures. It'll never contradict. Or sometimes it might just purely be a scripture. That's the, the prophetic word, or it could be a combination of both, like I had here. Now, let's have a look at the three realms of prophecy. This is just really important to be aware of these three realms, and I'll explain why in a moment. The first realm, what we've been speaking about up to now, the gift of prophecy. This is a grace gift, and what are the purposes? To edify Exhort and comfort, yes. And it is a gift. So we simply receive it by faith. If somebody brings you a birthday present, you simply receive it and say thank you. Simple like that. And because it's a grace gift, it means that we don't have to earn it. We don't have to be perfect to use it. Even a brand new believer can prophesy and it's freely given to every believer. Because 1 Corinthians 14.31 says, all may prophesy. So God intends all of us to be using this wonderful gift he's given us. Now the second realm is the prophetic ministry. 
This refers to those who have moved to a deeper level of faith and maturity. They are believing for more specific and revelatory words and rather than those general inspirational types, and they'll regularly be receiving prophetic messages, dreams, visions, etc. And sometimes their words will be directive or corrective. David will define that shortly. Then the third realm is the office of prophet. This is a prophetic minister who's called to a leadership office of the prophet in the body of Christ. It's one of the five offices mentioned in Ephesians 4.11. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, like all the other offices, uh, prophets are commissioned by the Lord. Um, it's his prerogative to call people into this function. So uh, none of us decide, oh, I'm going to become an apostle. I'm going to become an evangelist or a pastor or a prophet. It's really a calling and a commissioning by God. Prophets may have a local, national, or international ministry. And the important reason why we need to be aware of these three realms is that we do not minister beyond our level of maturity. When we stay that, um, say, if someone has, has a, operates in the gift of prophecy and God has not called them to, to be a prophet and they try and minister like a prophet, that's... For, that's just one extreme example. It's when we go beyond our level of maturity that we can mess people up, and we never, ever want to do that. We always want to bring honor to Jesus, and we always only want to build up, encourage, exhort people. So in conclusion, because prophecy is such a powerful tool for encouraging and building up people's lives, it's no wonder that 1 Corinthians 14.1 says this, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Now, we do note what's mentioned first, love. Love is always number one. It's the priority. But then it says, and also, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And why especially that gift? Because God is raising up a prophetic people. He wants you and I to live in personal prophetic revelation. You know, for example, to get direction in our own lives, to get a divinely inspired plan to solve a problem we're facing, to have um, spirit-led strategies for your business. I've, God's given me those are quite amazing. I could never have come up with it myself. What every area of life, the Holy Spirit wants to be our partner. But then God also wants each one of us to be part of what he is doing on the earth right now so that we can understand the times and the seasons like the sons of Issachar did. And so we can flow with what the Holy Spirit is currently doing. So this session is an opportunity for us to start or grow in the prophetic. And again, what David mentioned on Friday night, Hunger is the key. Let's be hungry to hear God's voice, both for ourselves and for other people. And when we are hungry, the Lord will love to just keep growing and increasing us. And I close with this scripture, Isaiah 50 verses 4 and 5. This is how badly God wants us to hear his voice. He actually gives us the equipment, the enabling to do it. The Lord wakens my ears to listen. 
The Lord has opened my ears. It's very short. Is it okay? All right. David said it's exercise time. <laughs> oh, we have to work off some of that lunch. Let's get up. Up we come. Up we come. Oh, I hope I didn't hear any groaning. Oh, I see some good enthusiastic man there. Oh, well, I heard it. I heard some, some good enthusiasm. Letter. Let's just, as, again, as gently as you can, we're just going to take the legs backwards like that. Just always doing things smoothly, as far as you comfortably can. Well done. All right, now we're going to put both. Hold your hands behind your back. And then stretch your shoulder blades backwards and downwards, just while staying Standing tall and relaxed and just give it a gentle stretch and release. And again, just move those circle, circle backwards around with those shoulder blades because they do an awful lot of playing statue. And let's do a deep breath in and out. And let's just do one other thing. If you need to hold on for safety, please do. We're just going to go up and down on our toes a little bit. Again, just as far as you comfortably can. And one last deep breath in. And let's sit down. Thank you. That's very good. Were you doing those, Pastor Don? You were? That's good. Just checking. All right, we're going to do the how-tos. So what we want to do is teach you some practical stuff, and then we're going to do some practice. Okay, number, the first how-to is picking up where Greta left off, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Um, in the realm of the supernatural, if you don't desire um, the supernatural, if you don't desire the gifts of the Spirit, they just don't happen. Uh, it seems like the Lord has geared this whole realm to, to our desire. And um, what most of us like is the comfort of the natural realm, so playing it safe. That's why a lot of churches don't release the gifts of the Spirit. It it's, can be very programmed because there's risk. There's risk people get it wrong. There's risk people mess up. But I think it's worth taking the risk uh, for the benefits. So we've got to learn to break out of the comfort of the natural realm, step into that spiritual realm, um, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Um, number two, speak clearly and naturally. When you do bring a prophetic word, speak audibly. A volume obviously depends on the size of the audience. If you're in a home group situation, you're just obviously going to talk at normal conversational level if you're getting a prophetic word. Or if you're having a coffee with your friend and then the Lord suddenly starts giving you something to encourage them, you obviously just share it uh, in a normal, natural way. Um, if, if it's a church situation, some churches allow prophecy from the floor and then you obviously have to raise your voice. But my preference is that if you're going to prophesy on a Sunday, you come to the front, you talk to the pastor say, I've got this word, I think, and you run it past him, and then if he feels it's appropriate for that, that particular service, he'll give you the microphone, and then you can bring the word with a normal voice. That's how you do it here, Don. That's great. I like that um, because I think, um, you know, let's be a little sensitive to visitors. 
And so if you're going to prophesy from the floor and you've got somebody that's been in church the first time and suddenly you're shouting your head off trying to get a prophecy to be heard, it can be a little freaky for a guest. And so I just think getting the microphone and then allow the leaders to call the shots as to whether they feel that's appropriate for the time or not. Uh, when you do prophesy, speak normally. Uh, don't be theatrical. Don't use King James English. Don't change the tone of your voice. Um, in other words, don't speak like Chalt Charlton Heston or Darth Vader. There's no need to, you know, because I hear people doing that. Like, the, they'll, I'm sure no one here does it, but we've been in churches where people suddenly put on the God voice. It's like, why are you putting on the God voice, you know? Just be normal. What we're wanting to try and do is take prophecy outside the walls of the church. Uh, it's great prophetic evangelism. You have prophetic words for people that are not yet believers. And that can really uh, incredibly bless them, uh, bring conviction, really open them up to the gospel. So that is a powerful thing. So we want to learn to be natural. Don't put in these thou's and the Lord would say unto thee. That's all 500-year-old English, so we don't need that. Uh, we've moved on. And so just you get rid of it. I, I mean, I said that in one church and they said, but we can't help it. I said, why can't you help it? They said, well, because we read the King James Bible. I said, change your Bible. They went, oh. <laughs> but that's the only true version. I said, no, the New Living Translation is the only true version, having them on. I said, look, just get a new King James. It's got all the these and thou's taken out. Uh, there's really no excuse for it. So stop it if you're doing it. I say in my lovely pastoral tone. All right. Uh, speak briefly. Keep to the point. See, I've been with Don too long. The lovely pastoral vibe is rubbing off on me. Uh, speak briefly. Keep to the point And don't ramble. Finish when God finishes. Speak humbly. Don't be proud. Be willing to let your words be tested, rejected, postponed. Um, they won't be infallible. See, in the Old Testament, prophecy was confined to a few specialized prophets. And a lot of what they were saying got written into the scripture. So they had to be 100% accurate. In the New Testament, God says, I'm not going to confine prophecy to a few specialized prophets. I'm going to give it to all my children. And so the gift becomes available to all believers. Now, we're all at different stages of maturity, of our ability to hear the voice of God. So consequently, in the church, you're going to have people at you know, different abilities to hear. So we're going to have to test prophecy, which is what Thessalonians says. Don't despise prophesying. Test all things. Hold on to the good and you know, obviously reject the bad. So there will be a sense of mixture as we learn to mature in the prophetic gift. And so uh, none of us is going to be infallible. I would hope that the more we journey with God, our accuracy level and the prophetic will increase. We'll move from general, the Lord blesses you and loves you type prophecies to getting more specific, more accurate, more revelatory components to the prophetic. Um, but even then, we can, we can get it wrong. And so we just need to, we just need to understand that, that, you know, because you, you hear it said, oh, you know, they stoned the Old Testament prophets if they got it wrong. And some people think, like, you've got to be 100% accurate in the New Testament. And it's like you're aiming for accuracy. But the reality is we're all, our, all of us are at a different stage in our ability to hear the voice of God. And we're on that journey. So just relax and have a go. And you never know with what you're going to say, whether it's right or wrong. But it's, 
its impact can be felt when you release it. Speak lovingly. Uh, speak in a tender way. Don't be harsh. Uh, compassion, not condemnation. Some prophetic words I've heard make God sound really angry. And you know what? Jesus, he was the recipient of the Father's anger. Father poured all his anger towards sin out on Jesus. So God the Father is not angry with you. His anger was poured out on Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't discipline us. But listen, his discipline is never a sign of his disapproval or anger. You know what? His discipline is a sign of his love. Those whom I love, I correct. So don't ever mistake the discipline of the Lord for his disapproval or his anger. You know, God does get angry at sin and wickedness. And, you know, his anger will build up and it, there will come a judgment on planet earth against the wicked and against the unrighteous. But right now he's holding his anger in check because he wants to show people mercy. But there comes a time where if a nation keeps thumbing its nose at God, there will be consequences. And so I'm not saying God doesn't get angry. I'm just saying a lot of prophetic, well, not a lot, but some prophetic people, they kind of constantly give off this vibe, God's mad at everybody. And God isn't mad at everybody. God wants everyone to be saved. And I think in the prophetic, we need to convey the heart of the Father. Um, and, uh, you know, it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. That's what God always tries first, his kindness, his mercy, his love. And then if a nation or an individual is just stubbornly rejecting, then some disciplines start to come. Then some judgments start to come. But even in that, you know, God is still looking for something redemptive. Okay, number three, leave corrective and directional words to the experienced and mature. A corrective word is something that uh, maybe exposes sin or lets you know that you're going off on a wrong t uh, direction, and so it pulls you back. Um, a directional word is sort of telling you uh, what, what about your future. For example, you're going to go and be a missionary um, in China, or you're going to go and uh, move to Christchurch, or you're going to marry that person. Those are directive words, and they can be dangerous in the wrong hands. And so you, the tendency is we want to leave those to people that are very experienced in the mature, like they've got a great track record of prophetic ministry or their prophets. But even then, if you're on the receiving end of one of those, I don't care who it's from, can be the best prophet in the world. You don't want to make a major decision based on a directional prophecy because you want to test that. And the Bible says in the mouths of two or three witnesses, let something be confirmed. So if you get a directional word, um, even from someone you trust, you still got to go to God and say, Father, will you confirm that? Would you give me another couple of signs or evidences that that's the right direction I'm meant to take? Um, and sometimes the word will come. It will confirm what God has already been spoken to you. In that case, say, thank you, Lord. That confirms what I'm already feeling. And you can make that decision. I mean, I remember being in a meeting and a guy comes up to me at the end. He said, look, you know, when, when you and Greta were speaking, I saw a picture of the Middle East, all these Middle Eastern houses. I think you're going to go to the Middle East and minister there. And I said, well, thank you very much. Now, I didn't run out and buy a ticket to the Middle East because that's a dangerous place. And I'm, my ancestors are from the Middle East. I've got Middle Eastern blood in me. I pray for that area. I pray for the Muslim world. And I've tried to knock on the door and nothing yet's open. But I believe at some point it will open. But 
it'll open when God is ready. And, and it'll just be clear to me, now's the time. And so I've got that prophetic word. I think it's a right word from God, but I've just parked it. Say, so, Lord, I'm just relaxed. I'm not going to push in for that. I'm praying. I'm asking that at some point you'll do that, but I'm just rested about it. And when you're ready, you'll swing that door open and we'll walk through it. So directional words. I remember praying for a young woman. She was leaving our church a number of years ago in Auckland, going on an overseas trip. And as I'm praying for her, for protection on the trip, the Lord tells me she will meet her husband on the trip. So that's directional. Now, I didn't say that to her. I said nothing. All I said was, stay in touch. Email us. Let us know how you're getting on. And so some months went by, and then we get this email saying she's having a great time, blah, blah, blah. And then a few more months go by, and we get an email, and she said, having a great time. Oh, I met a guy. And uh, I still said nothing. And then a few more months went by, another three or four months, and she emails, engaged. And at that stage, I shared the word. Well, actually, when we prayed for you, the Lord told me you were going to meet your husband on the trip. She said, oh, thank you. That really confirms that it's right. See, if I told her the time I prayed, that would have screwed her trip up. She would think, every guy I'm meeting, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one I'm meant to marry? Like, that would really mess you up, wouldn't it? So directional words, dangerous. They do happen. Leave them to the mature. If you get one for somebody and you, you know, you're not too sure or you're inexperienced, write it out on a bit of paper. Give it to one of the pastors. Say, this is what I'm thinking. Would you just kind of, um, you know, would you think about, pray about what should be done? And a pastor will always be thinking, how's this going to affect the person receiving it? See, sometimes if you're prophetically gifting, all you feel is an urgency to get the message out pastorally gifted people will feel an urgency. How will this affect the person receiving it? That's why I think it's a great thing when the prophetic and pastoral work together. Uh, they're, they're you know, often gifts that fight one another. They don't have to. They can work beautifully together. What about these corrective words? Well, I think uh, corrective words, we should do it the way Jesus did it. How many have ever read the book of Revelation? Anyone ever read Revelation? And you know in those couple of first chapters, two and three, he speaks seven churches, right? Seven prophetic words to seven churches. Two of them are fine. They only get commended. Five of the churches, Jesus has to correct. So he brings a corrective prophetic word. But look how he does it. Like the first church, Ephesus, he says to them, I know your works. You've endured. You're doing more now than you did at first. You've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. And you don't tolerate sexual immorality. So he's commending them. And then here comes the correction. But I have this against you. You've left your first love. You don't love me or others as you once did. And then he gives a warning. If you don't repent, I'll come and remove your lampstand. But, he's, but then he gives a, a promise. But if you do repent, I'll let you eat from the tree of life in the paradise of my God. What's he saying there? He, you notice how Jesus does it. He finds something to commend. He brings the correction, brings a warning, and then he gives hope. Look, if you do that, if you keep in love with me, you'll have eternal life. You will eat from the tree of life in the paradise of my God. What did he say about eternal life? John 17, 3. This is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. 
So when you've got a love relationship with Jesus, you're actually starting to live eternal life, and that'll spill over into life after death. But notice what Jesus says. He said, if you don't, if you don't repent of this loss of love, I'll come and remove your lampstand. What does that mean? It means your ability to shine is lost. How many churches do we know in our nation that once shone out in the community and they no longer do because they became religious or formal? And the moment you and I start becoming formal and religious and we lose that first love relationship with the Lord, our lampstand, our ability to shine out begins to diminish. It's people radically in love with Jesus that make an impact on the world around about them. Religion never impacts the world, but Jesus does. And so look how beautifully the Lord does that. And, uh, and I think, you know, that's how we should do it as well. Any questions so far before we move on to the nitty-gritty of how to receive a word? I'm happy to take a question or two if there are any. No? Yep. Okay, uh, does it matter what age you are when you prophesy? No, because little kids are prophesying around the world. Um, and some of those children are prophesying more accurately than adults because no, nobody has a junior Holy Spirit. We all have the same spirit, whether we're young or whether we're old. And so even little kids can do this. Okay, how do you receive a message? And I'm going to boil it down. There's lots of ways, but I'm going to boil it down to three main ways. Uh, three types of receivers of prophetic revelation. Uh, one is seers, or seers for short. Another is feelers. Another is hearers. Let's talk about those. Seers, uh, these are people that God speaks to you mainly in pictures, visions, dreams. So it's all visual. Uh, and often when you're getting a picture, what you've got to do is you've got to ask the Lord for an interpretation. Uh, so what does this picture mean? So then you might say to the person, uh, listen, I'm seeing this picture. I think this is what it means. If you ask the Lord for an interpretation and he doesn't give you anything, then just simply pass the picture on. You can say, I'm seeing this, not sure what it means, but I'll give it to you. And, uh, and obviously it hopefully will make sense to the person. I remember praying for a young couple at the front of a church once. And as I look at them, I just see like a big question mark over their heads. And then as I watch, the question mark changes to an exclamation mark. And so I just begin to prophesy because you never get the whole message uh, to begin with. So I say, look, I'm just seeing a question mark over your head. Oh, you've been in a season where you've been asking God why. Why has all this stuff been happening to you? They started to weep. I guess they'd been through a hard time. But I said, you know what God's going to do? He is going to change your wise season to a wow season. Just a simple word based on a simple picture. They were so encouraged. Ah, oh, thank you, Lord. Our season's going to change. We're going to go wow at what you've done. And it all came from just a simple picture. Now, it's a good thing to ask for interpretation because I remember this story uh, from a prophet in the U.S. He was seeking God for a word for the coming year or something, and he just saw a lot of coins falling out of heaven. 
Now, if you saw a lot of coins falling out of heaven, what would you be tempted to think that prophetic word was about? Sorry? Blessing, financial blessing. Yeah? Well, you know what? He asked the Holy Spirit. You know what the Holy Spirit said to him? Change is coming. I'm glad the penny dropped for you there. It's, it's good. <laughs> Change is coming. It's like the Holy Spirit invented humor. It's a, he was just like being cryptic and humorous. Change is coming. Come on. Another guy, he was praying for somebody, and he saw music notes floating all over his head, and he said, oh, I believe you're going to be a great worship leader. And you're going to stand before thousands of people and lead them in worship. And the guy's looking blanker and blanker. And finally he says, does that mean anything to you? He said, no, I've never led worship in my life. I can't sing in tune and I don't play a musical instrument. And uh, he said, well, what do you do? And he said, I run a music company. So if he had stopped and just asked the Holy Spirit, um, what do these music notes mean? He might have heard the Lord say business. And then he could have prophesied accordingly. So he jumped to a wrong conclusion. So in, in the prophetic, you've got three things. This is not in your notes. But you've got revelation, interpretation, and then application. And so it's one thing to get revelation, but you actually need a correct interpretation to give that word in the way God means it to be given so that people receiving it can make the right application. And, and go out and do the right thing. So revelation, interpretation, application is very important. Okay, so that's seers, and um, you see pictures, dreams. How many of you, God would, you know, when God speaks to you, he mainly does it in pictures and visions and, and stuff. Let me just see your hand. That's the, the main way that he speaks to you. Okay. Then there are feelers. You feel what God feels. I remember praying for a young woman once, and as I'm praying for her, I start to feel all this heaviness. And it's like, ah, oh, you know, feeling this oppression, this heaviness, this, this yucky feeling. And I realize that sometimes God lets you literally feel what someone's walking through. And so that's a diagnostic. He lets you feel a negative so that you might prophesy a positive. So I didn't say to her, oh, I see that you've been in a dim, dark pit. You've been there years, and the darkness is getting darker, and the pit's getting deeper, and you're probably never going to get out, but be encouraged anyway. I didn't prophesy anything like that. All right, what I did was I said, you know, God's going to give you a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. He's going to turn your mourning into dancing, your sorrow into joy. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes with the morning. God was just giving me all these scriptures from Isaiah and Psalms. And, you know, so I'm, I'm alluding to the problem, but I'm giving her a solution. I'm giving her some hope. Wow, I'm not going to be like this forever. God, you're going to get me through this. And so when you feel a negative, you're meant to prophesy a positive. Sometimes you'll feel the positive. You might feel incredible joy when you're praying. Oh, I sense joy in my heart for you. I think you're coming into a great season of blessing, of the goodness of God's going to overtake you. And that's for someone right now. Somebody in this room, you know, the season of God's goodness is just going to catch up with you. And it's going to overtake you. And you're going to know what it is that Psalm 23 says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I feel like that's for somebody. You'll know who it is because that word will witness to you. 
Then thirdly, there are hearers. You, you kind of hear words, phrases, impressions. Um, I've dis- discovered that when you, um, you're hearing words, you won't get a whole paragraph. Maybe just get a little bit, just a few words or a sentence. And, and then as you start to give that, you'll find more will come. Um, I didn't ask, how many of you, you know, when God um, speaks to you, you feel things a lot? just feel things. There's quite a few of you. How many as you hear words mainly? Okay. How many it's all three from different times it'll be all three? Yeah. Okay. Now I feel it's all, I'm mainly a hearer, but the other two kick in, but we're all different. And on hearing, I've discovered that Jesus talks like us. So when the Lord speaks to you, he will kind of speak in your voice because he doesn't want to frighten us. And what we can do is make the mistake of thinking, that's just me making that up. And it may not be you making it up. It's, uh, it's often the Lord, and you'll never know till you release it. Uh, Paul says in Romans 12, 6, prophesy in proportion to your faith. You might only have a part of the message, but as you give it, more will come. And finally, uh, what do you do with a word after you've received it? Well, that depends. Uh, Not all words are for the purpose of proclaiming them. Uh, Many times God will speak to you prophetically for intercession, for prayer. So what you're meant to do is you're meant to just pray that. Say, well, Lord, thank you. I'm going to pray that. It might be a word for somebody, so you end up praying for them. It might be a word for a nation or um, another nation, so you pray Some words should be put on file, waiting for confirmation before you give them to others. Others' words uh, can be written down and submitted to more mature Christians for evaluation. Uh, Some prophecies should be spoken to an individual, others to a group. Some prophetic words could be delivered as songs or poems or pictures. There's a whole variety of the way that we can release the prophetic and depending on what your gift is. What about if you're on the receiving end of a word, and I've really commented on this, if you're getting a prophecy given to you, test it. It should confirm what you already know, but if it doesn't, then pray over it and ask the Lord to confirm it in two or three other ways, particularly if it's a major decision. Now, once confirmed, you really believe that prophetic word is from the Lord, it's been confirmed, you should have a record of it, uh, kept somewhere, and occasionally read it and pray over it. Because in 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul says to Timothy, wage an effective war through the prophecies spoken over you in the Lord. In other words, use those prophetic words to engage in spiritual warfare, to move forward in the things of God, because the enemy's always trying to shut us down. Did you want to say something, Don? How many think Pastor Don should say something? Okay, there's just enough to allow you. Just so important to test the Spirit. And that's why we would never allow... um, car park prophecies you know like you're going out to your car someone comes up to you and says hey i want to um give you a word from god as soon as they do that always would say stop uh can i go and get one of the elders one of the leadership in the church come and they will judge the the prophecy and i say that because a prophecy that i received one time could have railroaded my whole ministry i was in a pastor's conference in uh, huntley there was an overseas prophet there and he was reading people's mail I mean it was just it was amazing the accuracy that this guy was um, prophesying over people that I knew 
and I knew the things that he was prophesying were absolutely 100% fantastic. Then he points to me, and he said three things. He said, first of all, he said, I see you're very artistic. Well, I'm not. All right? And the second thing is, he said, and you don't handle pressure well, do you? Well, my whole job at that stage was to handle pressure when I was working in the dairy industry. So I thought, well, two out of two he's got wrong. What's the third one? Third one, he said, uh, you're an assistant pastor and God's not calling you to be a senior minister. Now, fortunately, in the car on our way back from Huntley to Hamilton, the guy who was um, with me said, what do you think of that prophecy? And I said, well, he got it wrong, three out of three, I think. And he said, oh, good, I'm pleased you said that because I just had a real check about that prophetic word for you. And uh, so, fortunately, there was a more mature person than I was that could confirm what I was feeling. So test all things. Now, don't be scared of giving prophecies, okay, and don't be scared of receiving them, but just test them. Just because you get a prophetic word doesn't mean you have to receive it. You've got to test it. Make sure it is of God. And then when it, it, you know it is of God, then embrace it with all your heart as encouragement. And I love rereading a lot of the prophecies. Uh, Greta and I have got prophetic words now that go back eight, nine years, and we've got them all recorded, and uh, occasionally we read them and pray over them, and it just brings encouragement to you, especially if you're going through a hard time, you're a bit discouraged, things are a bit tough, go back over those prophetic words and let them, let them encourage you again, so um, that would be good. Okay, demonstration time. I need a volunteer. Do I have a volunteer, please? I need somebody to volunteer. I will pick the gentleman in the second row. Would you like to come this way, sir? Your name is Alan, is that right? Okay, that wasn't a word of knowledge. I just heard her say that. And, uh, um, okay, and uh, I'm going to prophesy over Alan. Now, I don't have any word for him. And the thing about prophecy is... It, it's like two sides of the coin. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, people prophesy as they're moved by the Holy Spirit. So there's a sense, there's a time where the Holy Spirit will anoint you, he'll move you, and you'll feel that urge to prophesy. I don't feel any moving of the Holy Spirit on me. But when you go into 1 Corinthians 14, Paul then says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So the other side of the coin is you don't have to just wait for the Holy Spirit to move you. You can earnestly desire that because you want to bless somebody and your earnest desire and faith will then attract the Holy Spirit to that and he'll start releasing the prophetic. So what I'm going to do for Alan is I'm just going to uh, get a little quiet in my spirit because when you're quiet that's when you're here and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit a very simple question I'm going to say Holy Spirit what do you want to say to Alan and then I'll listen now I might get a picture I might feel something uh, I might hear words or I might a scripture might pop into my mind and as soon as I get something I'm going to start to give it so here we go Holy Spirit what do you want to say to Alan I'm just getting the phrase, Alan, fear not. And um, a scripture's coming to mind. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. 
I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. And I feel like the Lord is speaking to your future, that the Lord, he does not want you to fear what is out there. He doesn't want you to fear what's coming because he's, you, you've actually walked very faithfully with God over many years. And the Lord is going to be so faithful to you in the latter years of your life. Sometimes people get to a certain age and it can be a little fearful of what's coming. But it's like the Lord is saying, because you've been faithful to him, he is going to be incredibly faithful to you all the years of your life. He says, I don't want you to live in fear of what is coming because his hand of blessing, his hand of strength, his hand of protection is going to be around your life. So you can walk confidently into your future with a great sense of peace and a great sense of trust that Father is going to be watching out for you. So may you be encouraged with that word. All right? Does that encourage you? Yes. Yeah? You want to add something, sweetheart? And I feel as you walk into that, um, understand that your, your spiritual stature before the Lord is far taller than your physical stature. And that his favor is upon you and that you carry far more spiritual authority than you realize. And that father has more in the future with, for you as well. Amen. Yeah, do receive it. <laughs> uh, you can see what happened. I got a, got a little phrase, part of a scripture, and then you can sit down, Alan, that's fine. Uh, and then it just starts bubbling out of you. So... How many of you are ready to try that? Yeah, well, don't all rush me at once. There's about like six of you. Okay. Well, we just. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to allow a time for the prophetic to operate. So what we need you to do is stand up and get into groups of three, and better if spouses split up because you know each other so well. So if you can you can spread out all over the room, the front, the back, the sides, and um, so if you can get into groups of three. means you actually have to stand up and move. Uh, so if you can do that, that would be great. Okay, groups of three, not two, not one, not four, groups of three. So um, if you're not in a group of three, just raise your hand. So people can sort of look around the room and you can kind of link up with one another. So keep your hand up if you're not in a group of three so people can move around towards you and, and make a group of three. Okay, there's two ladies down the back that need someone else. There's a gentleman here. Would you like to join? Oh, okay. There's a group of two here, is there? We got a, uh, we've got an uh, odd person. Uh, so um, there's... There's three groups of two here, so why don't you make two groups of three? So there's two, two, and two there. So can you, you, you six, make two groups of three? Yeah, no, the two ladies down the back? This is like herding sheep. It's interesting. <laughs> Just come to the front. and uh, Okay, one of you peel off there. And I know, you stay there, Tina. Put your hand up. One of you go um, in this group. And, and, and there's a group of two gentlemen here that are desperate to have someone else complete their group. All right. They look really desperate anyway. No, they're not. Seems all right. Okay. Are we all in groups of three? 
Anyone, anyone not in a group of three? You're all in groups of three. That's wonderful. Can you pick a number, please? One, two, or three. Just choose a number in your group. One, two, or three. So one of you will be one, one of you will be two, and one of you will be three. Hands up all the ones. Hands up all the twos. Hands up all the threes. Hands up who, if you don't know who you are. Okay, we're good. We're all good. We all know who we are. Okay, here's how it's going to work. So listen up. We'll pray in a minute, but here's how it will work. Uh, we will have three rounds, okay? Now, in each round, we're going to pick a number to be the receiving person. So suppose it's number two. And that means one and three, what you're going to do is do what I did for Alan. Just say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to number two? Listen. As soon as you start to get, see something, feel something, hear something, you begin to give that. And then when you finish giving your word, the second person in the group can give your word, so, their word. So at the end of that round, number two should have received two words of encouragement. Okay? So each round we do, you should be receiving two words of encouragement. Now, we're going to keep it really simple. So round one, number one will be the receiver. I know what you're thinking, number ones. You chose well. Uh, you chose well. Uh, okay, so round one, number one will be the receiver. And when you've finished that round at your own speed, you can move to round two. And guess who's going to be the receiver for round two? Number two. And then finally, you can move to round three, and that'll be number three will be the receiver. Everyone know what we're up to? Okay, really believe God. If you're good at prophesying already, why don't you believe God for more accuracy? more detail, a few words of knowledge. If you're starting out, just say, Lord, I'm just believing you for something. It doesn't have to be long. It may encourage people. So let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to release prophetic gifts, and then we're going to turn you loose uh, to encourage people. Holy Spirit, we thank you that this is one of your wonderful gifts that um, you release. And right now, in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, would you just come and release prophetic anointing, receive revelatory anointing. I speak to every ear and every eye. Ears, be opened. The Lord, waken your ears. Eyes, be opened to see and perceive. In the name of Jesus, receive this. It's his gift. Eyes to see and ears to hear are a gift from the Lord, Proverbs said. Thank you, Lord. We receive this by faith now. Amen. Okay, here we go. Round one, move at your own speed, and uh, may God bless you as you do so. Remember, just to go quiet and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? Then just listen and be at rest. Don't be anxious. The more anxious you are, the more difficult it is to hear. Here, just really believe God wants to speak through you and have the motivation that it's not so much about you looking right, but you just want to bless the person that you're ministering to. Um, when you are finished, you can return to your seats. We'll still give you another, you know, few minutes to finish off. You might want to write down what um, has been spoken to you because it's very easy to forget it. So maybe write it in your manual or on your phone or whatever is appropriate. Um, and just make a little, just take a few minutes to record what you've heard.
Okay, um, if you look this way, how many of you received something that encouraged you? Let me see your hands. So that's just about everybody. That's cool. And um, how many of you, that might have been the first time you've ever given a prophetic word of encouragement to someone else? Just let me see your hands. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. So that's over 13 of you. That's fantastic. Fantastic for having a go. And um, how did you feel about that? Okay. Yeah, it's not, it, you don't have to be fearful. You just, you know, if you've got a right heart to want to bless people, God will always honor that. and you, You'll hear clearly. So that is great. Okay, what we're going to do in a moment, we're going to um, sing a song to close with. But can I just um, give you a minute's um, encouragement? You guys have invested a lot of time um, last night and today in being here. And what can tend to happen after a seminar like this is, you know, you're all excited and ready to do this and that, but if you don't actually set a goal, um, then what will happen is you'll just drift, and within a week, you'll be back to normal. And then you will have wasted all this time. So one of the things I encourage people to do is have a goal in your heart, Lord, this coming week, I'm believing you for something supernatural to happen through me that you'll give me an opportunity to pray for a sick person and see them healed. Maybe I'll get to pray for someone to be filled with the Spirit. Maybe I can give a word of encouragement, um, you know, in my home group or wherever. Uh, there may be some supernatural thing. Maybe I can share something of the Father's love with someone else. So have a goal every week at the start of the week. Lord, this week, I'm look on the lookout for something supernatural of your Holy Spirit. At least one thing, but look, it could be more. So you don't allow yourself to go an entire week without something, you know, in terms of ministering to someone else. Because, you know, you can walk with the Lord and hear his voice, and that's all supernatural. But, I mean, really blessing somebody else. So you're going into the week not scalp hunting, oh, give me somebody to try this on. It's like you're going into the week saying, God, give me someone to bless. You know, the gifts of the Spirit are not that we are we're going to impress people, but we're going to bless them. And so if you have that goal, come on, why don't we stand to our feet? Let me, let me pray for you, and then we're going to sing a great song to close with. And I, I would love to pray 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. And that says, fan into flame the gifts that are in you through the laying on of hands. And a lot of you have had hands laid on you over this weekend. Fan into flame those gifts. That's our job. And then it says, for, for God has not given you a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And you, know, you have that spirit of power and love resting on you. So God wants to use you to bless somebody else's life. Why don't you lift your hands to the Lord? Father, I pray that the fire that you have released this weekend through impartation last night, through baptism in the Spirit, through teaching, through practice, Lord, this fire that you've released, I pray, let it burn. Let it burn more and help us to fan it into flame and not let it go out. I thank you, Lord, for every person in this room. You've not given anyone here a spirit of fear to shrink back, a spirit of timidity to be quiet and shut down. But, Lord, you've given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And, Lord, I pray you'll go ahead of us all this in this coming week and that you'll send mighty angels ahead of us to create opportunities, divine appointments, moments, Lord, where we encounter people's lives and you supernaturally minister through us. 
I, I'm seeing those. I really see opportunities that God's going to create. He's going to orchestrate. And so I pray, Lord, may you give us all eyes to see and ears to hear those opportunities. And may you make us a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We're going to sing that great song, You're a Good, Good Father, to finish. And, and Don, did you want to close out the day at the end? So I'll leave the microphone for you.